0: This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials.
1: Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown!
2: Well, he announced it yesterday just as we were getting off of halftime. So I couldn't bring it up with Matt Jones. But Houston Nutt has announced his, I don't want to call it retirement from football. He's just, he's just leaving CBS Sports uh, for now uh, in order to be a granddad. So uh, after 11 years on the CBS Sports Network and uh, main CBS... Houston Nutt is, is stepping away from football. So, man, this has to be, it's got to be a long time since he wasn't connected to football, like actually employed by a team or a network. So, good for him, though. Good for him. That means probably a lot more rest on the weekends. Uh, and uh, as he said in his social media post... Uh, time
0: to be pappy a little bit more. Yeah, I see. I I'll see clips or see him involved. I think he was down in Mexico doing a, a football camp last year. I, I think he coached a high school all star game. What, what was it that it it came across the the wire? Uh, he'll always be connected with football. He's a, he's a leader of men. He's a, he's one of the best to ever do it. So he'll he'll be uh he, he's made a footprint. He's he's. Uh, He'll, he'll always be connected some way. It's just in his blood, you know, just giving back and, and, and helping the youth like that.
2: Well, he is one of the... I mean, he's kind of made for television, you know. He's got an expressive face. He's got a voice that stands out. He's got a fun personality. He has he a conviction
0: of his opinions, yeah. Like, he's when when he talks, you listen, yeah. Reading
2: about how he's described, um, you know, what those weekends were like. So he would he would... He would leave his home on Thursday, get out to New York, and you start prepping. I mean, there's games Thursday night, there's games Friday night. Yeah, nights, you gotta prep then, a little bit. And then all the Saturday and everything, but I mean you're watching he said he would get to his hotel room Saturday Saturday night, Saturday, you know, Sunday morning, one thirty or two in the morning, routinely every every weekend. That's fifteen weekends in a row, and then you're getting up for a 6 a.m. flight out of LaGuardia or Newark or something like that and try to fight through all of that. Yeah, I mean, you're making decent money doing it, but it does sound like it could, as much fun as it could be once you get there, that just getting there and the hours that go into it could be a little bit of a hassle for somebody that, you know, might not need that money right now because he did
0: quite well as a football coach right it was one of those which doors do you want me to walk out of type of situations uh, but 11 years that's 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 right Phil that's a that's a career in itself right there so you really you haven't had a
2: football season without a former Razorback coach on TV since 2004.
0: Because Lou Holtz got onto ESPN in 05. You see Mike Anderson maybe doing it? it what's the latest with him? I wonder what. Uh, well, his, I think he's got a lawsuit
2: that he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's trying to yeah. win against St. John's. But, um, yeah, potentially. I mean, you need that kind of personality. You realize, though, and just looking on SEC Network, I mean, I'm thinking of ESPN and The Deuce and all of those. Nobody's got a former Razorback on TV right now for football or for baseball um, you've got you got some people doing basketball you know on SEC network there's Pat Bradley there's Joe Klein there's Jimmy Dikes o- yeah. outside of basketball no other former razorback is involved in national you know TV studio show or pregame that kind of thing nationally so who's going to be that I mean this is kind of a tradition cuz Frank Broyles ABC lead college football analyst for seven or eight years. And we've kind of been used to having a former Razorback coach on TV for a while. But now that Houston's stepping away, nobody. I I was looking up some former Razorback coaches, and there is an article published today on a website called farmprogress.com about Danny Ford, who has been farming now. Ever since he left Arkansas, 26 years. He's Wonder been what, a uh.
0: Yeah, wait, what's Ken,
2: oh, Ken Hatfield up to? Well, we still hear Ken on the, on the Harps commercials. Yeah. So, yeah, he could be, he'd be a good one. Got a text in from Will in Wynn, Arkansas. And Matty wants to know who he thinks going to be the best newcomer on defense and the best newcomer on offense. Hmm. I think if you're thinking defensively, I think Jaheim Singletary has got the capability of being the best newcomer. I think he's going to get a chance to start too at cornerback. Um, five-star product signed at Georgia. Uh, might have seen an easier path to getting on the field as a redshirt freshman this year, uh, and he's, I think he's going to be given that chance to uh, to start. So I would I would I would go with Jaheim Singletary on defense. Scratch my brain a little bit here about offensively. It's got to be one of the receivers, right? Well, I will tell you, who I think it could be Andrew Armstrong. From what the coaches, from yeah, what the players what are been talking saying. about, yeah, I think he's going to be a
0: featured receiver. So those would be my two choices. Who are you thinking? Well, I, I mean, I, you know, Terian Carter was hurt, so I think he, he could be a bounce back guy. Uh, maybe you're looking at a guy like Trajan Jeffcoat. That uh, it's it's really Phil. It's I haven't I haven't seen these guys play. So so when it it'd be like. After we watch him play Western Carolina and Kent State and BYU, okay, who the, the the roles will be defined? We'll we'll see. I look for Dominic Johnson. He had a fifty-yard touchdown run and in, in a scrimmage that he could be uh, getting some playing time. But being that short-yardage back, do you see his numbers like? that dude they, they got him listed at 61253 he he is the heaviest that's like an Eddie running back in the sec that's what i mean how, how do you not have that uh, as your as your short yardage guy right and and then being able to be explosive enough to break one off for 50
2: that's the thing about that weight is that he carries it properly like it looks like it fits on his body and and for someone of that size, I think he's got plenty of speed too. Uh-huh. And that's that's the thing. As I remember, we didn't watch the scrimmage or anything. We didn't see these practices, but we read about a 50-yard touchdown. That means he ran away from everybody after two knee surgeries. I don't know if he if he ran away with the knee brace or without. But Sam Pittman said he doesn't need the he doesn't need the brace any longer. It's all a matter of whether
0: or not he can. Decide to uh, you know you get decide to decide to take it off. You know we talk about fourth down and uh, you know there's there's something to be said about calling a play on fourth and four, uh, four fourth and three. But when it's fourth and inches, it's a mind, it's a mindset and it's an attitude and it's a you're you're whooping a man's ass. You know you're you're getting down there, you're getting you're getting low, and you're giving it to your running back and and you're getting the first down.
2: So what i have wondered about you know the, the mentality of toughness the mentality of building strength in the off season so that it becomes ingrained in this team I mean, you hear so many people say if you can't get 6 inches
0: you on get fourth down then right. what are we doing here we don't we didn't we didn't earn it you got go to earn it it happens over and over again a lot of teams don't get it on fourth and 6 what's well, the a huge problem with that last yeah. year yeah. and you got a, you got a running back and and you know some of his fumbles happen – um when he's trying to st- stretch the ball out you think texas a&m you think liberty you think some of those fumbles doing that with kj where you give it to your running back who's a little more used to carrying the ball and if you got dominic johnson in there that first guy's not taking i like the binion as well he he always falls forward you know he's another guy i think that could be really good in short yardage situations he's shifty and able to kind of find the creases and and and, and pick up that short yardage i have a feeling we're not
2: going to be seeing direct snaps to tight ends on short yardage situations this year maybe just move right past that because why do you want to remember that anyway go to the McClarty Daniel hotline Greg in Farmington is with us now
1: what's up Greg how are you Hey, what's up, guys? It's a beautiful day in Northwest Arkansas. Now, I may, may not be able to match Eddie's enthusiasm, but I'm going to give it a heck of a shot. That's you all know, right, Greg. It, it sounds it, like
2: you're trying. That's all it do. You, you it, have the effort. Effort
1: first. It, it, it's getting close. It's getting time. 13 days, I believe it is. Oh, man. Can you smell it? Can you feel it? You know, it's getting real when even the opposing teams are, are betting on Arkansas. I was watching one of the programs this morning, they were going over Auburn's schedule. Originally had Auburn at eight wins, but then Daria Noka pointed out, hey, you might want to pay attention. Auburn got Arkansas on the hill. The guy for Auburn immediately changed his vote and said, yeah, that victory's going to Arkansas. So you know they're watching out for us. It's going to be a good season. I feel good with eight wins. I feel strong at nine wins. I'd be ecstatic if we could get ten. Hey, everybody, be good. Matt, get to the golf course. I hear it call it our name. Everybody, be good and have a fun one.
2: All right, Greg, that was actually a pretty decent uh, job. I wouldn't call it a straight up imitation of Eddie because whoo who's missing, you know, that thing and missing Hog Delight. But you could you could hear he was there was a little bit a little bit of mimicry there. So Eduardo, if you're listening, and I know you are. Imitation is the sincerest sincerest form of flattery. So you must have very red cheeks at the
0: moment. Got me 18 in yesterday, Phil. It was uh, the weather was nice, and uh, we're gonna go through this hot this hot spell for the next week or so. So I got a little bit in yesterday. Your one day of golf, huh? Well, you know, it might be shade golf later on when it's this hot. But it was man, it was like 87 degrees yesterday. It was nice, little little baby breeze going. whoo. sounds a little
2: bit more like woo, like some um, maybe water polo weather. Later this
0: afternoon. There you go. That might be it. You only got a couple more weeks left of that. You know, Memorial Day to Labor Day.
2: And then the pool closes, man. That's it. Never, never picked up on that. It's like, really? Do we? Do I need a? Do I need a lifeguard to tell me that I shouldn't jump into that part of the pool? You got to wait at least an hour after you eat. Thought it was just thirty minutes. Mmm. Well, uh, some of us are, are have larger stomachs than others and might actually digest a little bit more food than others. So maybe for you it's an hour. For me it's 30 minutes. I'm not eating much these days.
3: Buffalo Wild Wings just dropped two new sauces for a limited time to try on your traditional or boneless wings. Come into any participating Buffalo Wild Wings and try our new Buffalo Ranch or Honey Garlic Sauce. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and Jonesboro to try the new Buffalo Ranch or Honey Garlic Sauce. While supplies last, get yours today. Buffalo Wild Wings.
2: They have everything you need this summer at Eastside Liquor, such as Evan Williams flavored whiskey, soda jerk root beer or orange cream shots, Appalachian sipping cream liqueur, and more. A new law in Arkansas now allows the sale of single 50-milliliter bottles as well. Eastside Liquor, located at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Stop in or swing by the drive-thru and see Dave and his team today. Well, we're going to talk with another Razorback football legend as we go to the McLarty Daniel Hotline and Quinn Grovey. Joining us here, always good to hear your voice. Quinn, can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. How you doing?
4: So I'm doing good, man. Uh, anytime I get a chance to be on the radio with two legends, that's always a good thing. But I got to give you credit, though. The 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 music that you bro- came back from break on, rocking a little Eddie Grant, okay. the electric avenue, I like it. I like it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's Christian over there. Uh, Quinn, who who won the the golf battle between you and Chuck when when y'all played this year? Uh, Chuck took another L. He took another uh, L.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's he's becoming very accustomed to taking L's on the golf course with me now. And uh, actually, he 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 would say it's not because of anything I did. It was because of my nephew Casey, who played pretty good that day, because we played a scramble. Right, and so uh, yeah, we took him out and uh, had a good time. And I mean, Casey hit the most shot. I talked the most trash.
2: Well, I think Chuck also was just a little worried about doing a radio hit with us because he was on, he was on the show. <laughs> with us, I think
0: after you guys were done, they were right doing it about a, were, the time a,
2: you were done. They were doing a card yeah. off
0: or something. Were, yeah, that's what a, it was. yeah,
2: you can yeah. credit well, the, well, the, the, that win.
4: The match was already over. He could have done it about 20 minutes earlier. He could have hopped on. <laughs> I mean, he, he thought he had a chance of coming back, thought we were going to fall apart. And then, of course, uh, his math skills really kicked in on stroke play and was really trying to come back on some the last hole. But uh, he got it all corrected.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's all fun and game stuff. That's all off-season stuff, and the off-season's over. You know, Chuck said he's almost done with, his, with golf now, you know, because now, now it's all business, man, because soccer plays tonight, and that means that the athletics calendar is starting, so it's all business. You know. And in two you weeks, know. we will finally see this Arkansas football team on the field against somebody else. Um, what's top of mind for you right now um, with, with Arkansas football a couple of weeks into preseason camp?
4: Oh man, there's a lot to unpack of course and uh, I think you know, the first thing you think about is KJ and Rocket and how will they perform in the new offense and I know Dan Enos is incorporating a few things that should allow the the run game to be a little bit more physical uh, a little bit more powerful, especially inside the red zone um, so I'm anxious to see how KJ does with a brand new group of wide receivers while learning a new offense and you know, from what I understand and what I've seen, K.J. has been very, very good uh, at picking it up. Uh, he's been one of the leaders in the off season in regards to holding uh, workouts. And so, they're coming along. K.J. is super smart from a I- football IQ standpoint, so he'll pick things up. Just the most difficult thing about learning new offenses is it's almost, you know, it's just new terminology and, and, and being able to grasp that. And I had to change offenses whenever I was a senior. And uh, it's just the terminology. I mean, you know, you're a seasoned guy. You're expected to know everything. But then when you learn a new offense, sometimes you're wondering in the hole, am I calling this play right? You know, even though the formations are very similar all the way across the board, the diff- different terminology is what generally throws people off. But um, it seems like uh, they're, they're picking things up really, really fast and they're excited about this offense. And then defensively, I think we've got more talent on defense than you've seen in a long, long time. Uh, I think you've got several guys on the defensive front that can play. Uh, I think you've got some linebackers that don't mind running and hitting. Very, very uh, athletic. And then I think you've uh, infused some talent in the secondary as well. That's going to give you an opportunity to, to play people uh, and be able to cover, be able to do some man stuff, um,
0: some things that we had not been able to do over the last few years. Yeah, Quinn, you're right. That, that translation, because you're running the, the same play, same concepts, but it might be called something yeah. a, a little different. And then the quarterback, you know, you got to kind of be able to tell everybody, what's going on if if something's going on and and I look I look at last year's team and then the team from two years ago and and I say we really miss a guy like Traylon Burks and I guess that's easy to say because he was so dominant Uh, do we have a do we have a receiver this year that can step up and be that guy when when he sees man coverage and has these RPOs called and he can check to it and say man I know my guy can beat that guy outside
4: man that's such a luxury too when you've got one of those guys there's no doubt about it and you're right Burks has been that guy over the last few years uh, but I, I think this year is going to be Andrew Armstrong. I think uh, at 64 201 pounds, uh, I think KJ and Andrew have a really nice connection. Uh, I think KJ uh, believes he's going to be where he needs to be uh, on his route. Uh, Armstrong can get separation, but then also he can go up and win those high point balls. You know sometimes I Matt mean, things you know you know as well as I know, I mean we don't always make the right decisions as quarterbacks. And sometimes, you know, you get in trouble and you see things, and I say, I see my guy down there with uh, a guy on him Mm one-on-one. I'm going to throw him a 50-50 ball, and hopefully he'll either come up with it or knock it down and not let the other guy get it. I think Andrew Armstrong can be that for KJ. Uh, He's got speed. He's got size. He's got nice route-running ability. He has good hands. So, uh, to me, he would be the leader in the clubhouse if I had to pick someone to be the leading receiver. Uh, For this football team, but they've got a bunch of other guys coming up too on that receiving core that we know nothing about, or or have not been introduced to Razorback Nation. But I think uh, they feel very, very
0: comfortable about this receiving core and what they can add. Yeah, I mean, there's something about trust when you see your guy 50-50, uh, a George Wilson, a Marcus Monk, and, and then, Quinn, I'm with you. I'm excited to see who these guys are going to step up and, and some of these guys they are going to make plays for us. Uh, when you look at these running backs, I, I mean, there's a bevy of running backs in the stable back there. I, how do you think Dan Enos is going to utilize these, these backs and maybe have both these backs on the field at the same time?
4: Yeah, I think you'll I think you see some of that, and, and I think uh, we're talking a lot about you know, utilizing dual running backs because Dan wants to get the the, the best uh, group, personnel grouping on the field. And, you know, so you'll see from 20 personnel, two running backs and and no tight end. Or you'll see from 21 uh, out of the shotgun and a lot of different things. You know, you've got four really, really solid running backs. I think it's probably one of the best running back rooms in the SEC, because when you look at each one of them, they all bring something different to the table. I mean, A.J. Green is extremely fast. Rocket is your your bell cow. Rashad can be a change of pace guy. Dominique Johnson, getting him back is really, really huge. I think you've got four really, really great running backs. And even though you got those four, I still, I'm still concerned about the fact that there's not much behind them. Uh, you're still trying to grow that group. There going to be times where you're going to have to play, you know, without an A.J., and you're going to be down to three uh, or two or whatever, depending on injuries or whatever. So I feel very comfortable about the guys we have. You still want to make sure you protect them and, and uh, put them in the right situation. But if the receivers come along the way I think they will, you may not see as much 20 personnel because at the end of the day, Dan Enos is about getting the best players on the field. But when you go two backs – with that quarterback like a KJ Jefferson, now you can go shotgun and actually create some type of triple option situation whenever uh, things are going south in the run game. I do believe that when you have a offensive line like we do, you got running backs like we do. Out of those four running backs, somebody's running running style is going to be effective that day I, against whoever you play. I mean, whether it's a a one-cut and, and and cut back or a, a patient run with vision. Somebody's running style is going to be affected that day. To me, the X factor is that when things don't go right in a traditional running game, inserting KJ into that, reading that defensive end, pitching off that linebacker or that, that safety or whatever, and forcing them to play responsibility football. So I think Arkansas's running game is, is going to be very complex traditionally, but when things don't go well, they've got a different component that can increase the running game chances.
2: I do agree with you too, Quinn, about the defense, and 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 I'm doing that off just off of reading and and reading about these the players that have come in and and expecting growth from other players too. But man, I mean, when you look at the the, the returning talent defensively, when you see who's coming in from the transfer portal, and you've got grown men who have produced at Division One, major college football at all three levels— of the defense where they brought them in line of scrimmage linebackers secondary um, I do think this has a chance to be um, a, a pretty nasty defense like I know, forget about watch forget about the numbers from last year being dead last in 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 FBS passing yards against and you know not creating enough turnovers and really being a team that needed to get to the quarterback I, I think this defense and I, I'm excited to see what Travis Williams does as far as attacking because I think ma- as long as you've got the cornerbacks to cover one-on-one, I think you got the guys to attack. And you said it, maybe more of a talented defense in terms of depth than we've seen in a long time. And all you got to do is just look at what some of these guys had done in their previous stops in college football. Yeah, I, I,
4: I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, starting with that defense front, I think this is, you know, Deke Adams has done a very nice job. And I think for the first time in a long time, they feel like they really have a 2 deep. I know Sam is really trying to create that on the offensive line and the defensive line. I don't, we're not completely there on the offensive line, but defensively, I think they feel like they can roll guys in. And when you got guys competing, and the drop off is not that big from your first team to the second team, when it gets to the point where that second teamer is chomping at the bit to get in there because he's trying to take reps from that first teamer, that means you got great competition, and you got guys comp- uh, you know willing to make plays. In the past. We take that first team out and the drop off between that second team is so significant, then boom, there's an 80-yard run up the middle. So I, I think starting with the defensive front, you feel really, really good about that. Uh, so I think from an SEC caliber standpoint, you're good there. You're right about the, hey, those linebackers, man. I'm telling you, a lot of people don't know about them, but they can run. They're fast. They're athletic. They're smart. They can hit. And I think they will be able to make a lot of different plays, especially when you got a hungry defensive line up front creating avenues for them to go make plays. Over the last few years, we've had linebacks make over 100 tackles. I mean, multiple linebacks. I don't think that'll drop off. Uh, but it's, it really comes down to
1: uh,
4: that, that front seven, what they do, given that opportunity for the secondary to have success. And I always say pressure equals picks and, and, and coverage equals sacks. And I think you'll be able to see this defense be very, very good uh, in certain situations this year, Phil.
0: We talked a little bit yesterday, Quinn, about the new rules, about them running the clock in the, in the first quarter, kind of is going to shorten the game a little bit and limit, limit some of the plays. Are, are you a favor in the way some of these new rules that college football has this year? And every, well,
4: at the end of the day, there every rule that's – and this probably ain't going to sound good – but every rule is made to make sure that TD is hacked. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it just seems like, you know, I do games on Saturday, but when I get home and I'm, I'm ready to watch another game, it seems like the previous game is always still going on. Okay, and then the, the little scroll that comes across the bottom, to go to ESPN Plus or the start of Arkansas, Georgia, or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I understand the window. And with the way the conference expansion is going on, trust me, I, I believe there are going to be more TV windows. Uh, not just the ones that you see right now. And so making sure that you can get a football game in in a timely fashion that's convenient for your viewers is really what they're thinking about. So I, I understand. It doesn't bother me as much when I'm I'm doing the game, but when I want to watch a game, I don't want to have to go to, you know, plus or anything like that to start my my viewing experience. So I understand why they're doing that rule. I don't always, I don't agree with all the rules that they do, but... I understand trying to make sure that you get this, this game in a window is, is really big. I think it's helped, and I'm not a Major League Baseball fan, but I think, you know, it's helped Major League Baseball shorten their games. Uh, they've done some things to shorten it and get it in a, in a window that's better for the fan experience, and I think that's what they're trying to do in
0: college football. No doubt, man. Attendance is up this year in baseball, and I think it's directly tied to the rules. You, take, you can take 11 minutes off these games and, and still get it in. There is There's a couple too many timeouts. Quinn, what about uh, the state of college football? I mean, you
2: even put it in succinct terms. It's all about TV. And these changes in college football all seem to be uh, all about. Well, they don't just seem to be, they are all about television uh tradition thrown out the window but you know i also think in college football it's a sport that talks a lot about tradition that's had to choose three different ways to choose national champions in the last 30 years so part of the tradition of college football is change it's just never been quite like this what uh, when you're watching what's going on across the landscape of college football and able to watch it from a really safe perspective in the sec at arkansas where things are stable what what are you thinking of
5: well uh,
4: first thing is I'm glad we're in the SEC because you're right. You like to you like to uh, be in a place where you are in the strongest conference in America, and you're provided a lot of cover with teams that aren't going anywhere. And so I thought Oklahoma and Texas really made a good decision coming into the league, even though they're going to struggle with that, but they've got the protection that they need in the best conference. I really thought that my initial thought was I thought the Big 12 was going to be the league that was going to go away. I was thinking... You know, when you lose Oklahoma and Texas, I kind of put it like this, Phil. I know, Matt, you and you and Phil both love music. And I kind of put it like when Oklahoma and Texas decided to leave, it's like, you know, you look at a, a music festival lineup, and you go, okay, there aren't any headliners in this, at this, at this uh, music festival. I'm not going to go. It's, it's kind of like you want to go see Gladys Knight and the Pips. You just don't want to go see the Pips. You know, and so with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, it's like Gladys Knight left to come to us. And I thought that was gonna be a whole conference full of pips. But you gotta give that Big Twelve Commissioner a lot of credit for pulling up the bootstraps and, and keeping the Big Twelve alive and then the Pac twelve and now the Pac Four is just kind of the one that I didn't think was gonna fall apart like that, has fallen apart. So it'll continue to it'll continue to, to happen. I don't know, you know, you probably the conferences that with 20, 20 uh, members, eventually, uh, but it's it's crazy. You just got to be ready to, to handle change, look for change, and and uh, I mean, you, if you're an athletic director or you know you know, in the athletic administration, you got to be looking at poker faces all the way across those rooms you're in a meeting, saying, I mean, I wonder what he's thinking, what he's thinking, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what's happening. So, uh, but Arkansas is in a safe place. Uh, that that move Coach Bowles made several years ago. Uh, it's definitely paying off for us
2: now. Quinn, you're the best. I appreciate you hopping on with us uh, to give us your thoughts on uh, the Hogs and college football overall. Uh, looking forward again to seeing you in the Rock in a couple of weeks and, and working with you this season. Thank you so much.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Phil, appreciate you, man. Look forward to seeing you. And and number nine, one of the best players ever. Boy, that's one guy, Phil. I'm going to tell you, I used to wake up every Saturday morning and said, I cannot wait to see what Matt Jones does. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, he he provided a lot of value, man. Quinn, you're,
0: t- you're too kind, Quinn. Always always enjoy talking with you. All
4: right,
2: fellas. Y'all
0: take care. Oh, Bill, yeah. one last thing. Growing yes, up Grove
4: tonight on Hogs Plus. Uh, episode two. Check it out.
2: That's right. That's right. Growing up Grovy. It's uh, it's on Hogs Plus. Uh, Released, I think it was a year, more than
0: a year ago, and now you got it on Hogs Plus. It's uh, worth your time. Back to back 10 win seasons right there. Quinn Grovey, one of the best ever do it. (laughs) And he's great on the radio with Chuck. He
2: does uh, a lot of fun. Off the air, too, lots of fun. And we're going to head on a midnight train to Georgia since he brought up Gladys Knight and the Pips for a moment there. Quinn Grovey, the one and only with
3: us on halftime. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Darts.
2: Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. How you doing today? Anything new?
5: Everything's fine. Another another sunny day here in Fayetteville. Another another day at preseason camp.
2: Another day of preseason camp. That's right. All right, then. Um, Dan Enos was uh, the man of the moment today. I know we were expecting to hear from K.J. Jefferson, but that's been moved to post-scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, what did uh, what did Dan Enos have to say that might have uh, piqued your interest?
5: Well, had a bit to say. Of course, Dan used to be a, a head coach, and he was a coordinator here, and we used to talk to him every week. So he's, he's used to the media, and he's always pretty – Pretty uh, detailed, expansive with his answers, but he just, uh, I'm trying to get, I guess, the things that stood out. He talked about how they're kind of, they've got most of the installation in now with the offense and they're <laughs> working on different wrinkles and, and things like that. And so that's, that's good to hear that, you know, obviously the season is getting closer and closer. One thing I thought was interesting, he got asked about KJ, of course, and just talked about how he, you know, he has all the good qualities, all the, Good quarterbacks he's ever coached have had, but that he might ask him about. Maybe, well, I'm thinking about doing this on this play. I'm thinking about doing that, and, and Dan said basically his answer is, you know, you're you're a sharp guy. You know, you have a high football IQ. Just trust your instincts, and you're probably going to do the right thing. I'm paraphrasing her somewhat, but he basically just told KJ, "Hey, go 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 with what you feel, and it's probably going to be right." And 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 the rare case that it might not be the right thing to do. We'll, we'll talk about and correct it, but so I, I know back in the spring, Sam Piven talked about how Dan and, and KJ were getting, you know, we're already on the same page pretty well. It seems like like that's really carried over through camp. Those two guys, uh, well, they get along well and like each other, and also, um, you know, I think they're a good, good uh, coordinator, q- quarterback combo. He talked about the other guys in the room. Uh, it's just a good room. Everybody, I think, knows K.J.'s the guy, but everybody supports each other. They have, they have some other good talent there, you know, but behind him. Um, I talked some about, uh, you know, his quarterback commandments, which I'd, I'd never heard him talk about, uh, talk about that before. Um, some of those would be don't make a premeditated decision. Don't throw the ball over the middle late. That was, the last one was Never go, never throw and go. He said, N- "Never throw on hope," which means don't make a throw and go, man. I hope that works out. <laughs> so, you know, don't don't just throw it up there for grabs. I guess is what that really means. So that was kind of interesting. So yeah, the dad's always good to do, to talk to.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because you know Quinn brought this up too. You, you're changing coordinators and uh, and you're a veteran quarterback, and he's bringing in some new terminology, and you, and you kind of got to get used to it. Is everybody else picking it up fine as well, Bob? I, th- I think so. I mean, one thing is, I, I
5: think it probably bodes well for for the defenses. With you know, the scrimmage was closed, but you know, Sam talked about how KJ was under some heat you know, from the pass rush, and I think that that, that should. You know, sometimes fans may be like, oh wow, that means the offensive line isn't getting it done, but I take it more to mean maybe the defensive, uh, you know, the defense is getting after pretty good. And we know Travis Williams wants to, you know, be aggressive and blitzing that extra guy. So I think that, you know, Cody K, the offensive line coach we talked to the other day, talked about how oh, that's that's good. You know, they're they're getting a good look from this defense and you know ideally what you want is you want, you know, both sides of the ball doing well and pushing the other one and, you know, if they have some weaknesses or things they need to work on, those things that exploited camp rather than the team, you know. Although we know an S E C play you know, sometimes you're going to get beat in certain situations. You know, play to play, and you just got to come back and and, and and do better the next one. But um, yeah, I think it, it sounds like you know we talked about the skill guys. Luke has you know the, the freshman tight end, true freshman tight end from Bixby, Oklahoma. He's been getting a lot of rave reviews in camp. He's been, uh, you know, Nathan Bax has been out, um, and uh, Luke's been running with the ones. Uh, he's been running at least with the twos all camp, but he's. He's a a lot of true freshmen. He's probably going to be the most impactful, I would think. And, you know, Dan, of course, came back here, got here in the spring. Luke was one of the many freshmen who uh, went early enrollment. So it's like Dan was saying, you know, they got here at the same time. But, you know, he just thinks about Luke as like, oh, that guy, he's been here three years. No, no, he's a true freshman. Obviously, he knows he's a true freshman. (laughs) But he meant that he just doesn't play like a true freshman. He plays like an older guy, a veteran guy. you know he's a, obviously a really good receiver. He's basically, I like can another wide receiver on the field when he's in there. That that's how fast he is and how good his hand. He also seems like a physical guy. The times we watch watched, looks like he he can handle blocking as well. So he had really high praise for for, for Luke Haas.
2: I see where he, um, he's quoted as saying KJ has the ability to be as good as anybody I've ever coached. That, 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 that's. That's a big statement, uh, considering some of the quarterbacks that he coached. Did he coach Jalen Hurts? Uh, yeah, yeah. Specifically yeah. at Alabama, well, he, absolutely. He, yeah, he, co- he coached Tua at Alabama. You know, who uh, was a you know
5: first round draft pick and um, all that. Heisman um, Yeah, I mean that, that's high praise. I think Dan's got six or seven guys um, who he's put in the NFL. Um, I mean, obviously. If, you know, other coaches have helped them along the way, and they Allen, you know, has, had, has carved out a nice career as a backup in the NFL. He's had other guys. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's very high praise. And, you know, Dan talked about how the quarterbacks feel different. Some are taller, some are shorter, some are, you know, better on the deep ball, some are better, you know, running than other guys. Allen, did he can throw the deep ball real well? high completion and she runs the ball well um, and so you know yeah for so for Dan as good as anybody's coach I, that, that, that's
2: a real high compliment you know I mean when it comes down to it here and uh, you know looking back at, at Enos's first go around at, at Arkansas the team the team didn't struggle because of his offense you had a defense that really had some troubles uh, and you got better quarterback play throughout his tenure you got good running back play, decent offensive line play, and everything. It was the defense that really did in Arkansas, especially those those last couple of years under Brett Bielema. Uh, I think the defense will be better this next year. Where can the offense improve? Uh, Upon last season, because truthfully, I mean, Arkansas ranked sixth in the SEC in scoring and in total yardage. I always felt, though, watching the last couple of years that the yards didn't necessarily equal what the points should have been. So what I see is a team that needs to and can improve inside the 20 because that's if your yards and points don't equal, usually you're turning it over too much or you're having trouble in the red zone. It was red zone last year. Where are you seeing a, 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 a place to improve offensively?
5: Well, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, they had a lot of impressive numbers, but think about the Missouri game. You know, they're down there on the goal line late in the game. Touchdown's going to put them ahead. They can't get it in, and Sam doesn't have confidence to go for it on fourth, and I don't blame him because you got to get some points there. So they get a field goal, and then you say, okay, they hold them, they go down, and get a field goal, and win. Well, then the defense couldn't hold them. You think about uh, you know, the Liberty game where you know uh, they, they, they couldn't get it done there uh, late. Uh, the, the LSU game, KJ was obviously out, but the defense put him in some great shape. And they 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 couldn't punch in. Same thing with Mississippi State. Um, I think some other games. So yeah, they're um, you know red zone particularly right the goal line. Um, you know I think you know Sam was was gone on analytics and, and also probably feel like hey field goals aren't going to beat LSU right uh, and um, I want to get this field goal. I think you know Missouri hold them and get another field goal. They kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, if it doesn't work out, it's like, oh, why, why didn't you go for the touchdown? Oh, why didn't you kick the field goal? There, you know, there was a lot of that going on in several games, and so that—that's something they really have to, you, and that—that that cost him, right? That's how he went on four in those uh, games, decided by nine combined points, which is just a crazy stat. So that—that—that's without doubt that the number one thing they got to do is do better. On the goal line, you know, not not just the red zone, like inside the ten, you know, whatever that's called, the gold zone or something. I mean, that money zone. Yeah, it should probably be called the green zone. Yes, it's
0: the money zone, right? Bob, I'm looking at this schedule, and I know we've talked about it a little bit uh, in some in some earlier weeks. But when you look at these first three games, Bob, do you see any any other thing but these Arkansas Razorbacks starting out three and zero?
5: Well, I mean, obviously, they better beat Western Carolina um, now, especially with as tough as that SEC schedule is going to be. The first half, but especially no games in Fayetteville. Yeah, I think they got they got they got to start off three and I think they will. You know, BYU's no pushover. That that was a fun game out out in Utah last year, and I already saw up winning a shootout. I guess I think it was fifty two to thirty five. So, you know, but anyway, but I already saw sensibly really in that game. So yeah, I, I think uh, you know they should start three zero, and they will start three zero, and they really got to start three zero when you look at at what what they got you know ahead of them. They really got to win all, all their non conference games, and then you know just try to do the best they can against that brutal SEC schedule.
2: Any word why KJ wasn't made available today because he's on the schedule to uh, to speak? And you get a little worried if you know you know your quarterback is scheduled to speak but isn't there? Uh, any word on when you may hear from him or what happened today?
5: Well. He- He's gonna um, he's gonna talk after Saturday scrimmage. That's the plan now. And I I, I, did, I was not at practice today, but I know KJ was there for the beginning part when the media was there. And the, what I understand, there's nothing wrong with him. He's not sick or hurt or anything like that. There was a little miscommunication, and if uh, I think we'd want to keep waiting, <laughs> we could have got him today. But then you obviously after <laughs> scrimmage, so I think there was. Uh, some miscommunication or misunderstanding, and it was, you know, it was, it was no big deal.
2: Okay. All right. Sounds good, Bob. We'll leave it there. Appreciate you doing it as, uh, as always today. And next week, uh, you're hear from Coach Pittman on a Thursday in the afternoon. So maybe we'll get you before that, okay? Okay.
5: Sounds good. You guys take care. Thanks, Bob.
6: Are you feeling the heat this summer with soaring electric bills? Upgrade your AC system with Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric this August and experience the ultimate comfort in your home. This month, receive up to $500 off on attic insulation when you upgrade your AC. That's right, proper attic insulation can significantly reduce your energy bills, keeping your home cooler and more efficient. Worried about the cost? We've got you covered. With approved credit, enjoy payments as low as $99 a month. Picture this. Lower energy bills can help you cover the cost of your new system. Now that's a win-win situation. So don't wait. Call Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric now and save with a new AC system and insulation this August. Say goodbye to high electric bills and hello to ultimate comfort. Visit gopascal.com now and schedule your free estimate. With approved credit, exclusions apply. See dealer for details. Professional people, professional service, Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric.
3: During the summer months, I know many of you are active, go into the lake, go into the beach and if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions then I've got just the meal kit for you it's Factor America's number one ready to eat meal kit and you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50 just go to factormeals.com HTL50 and get 50% off you're going to save trips to the grocery store your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes they're fresh never frozen plus they have over 30 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com/htl50. That's factormeals.com/htl50 and get 50% off
2: couple of notes to run through here briefly. Uh, Omarian Robinson out of Little Rock Parkview, a safety Was ranked as the number one player in the state of Arkansas, has released his top ten schools. Arkansas on the list, along with Florida State, Oregon, Oklahoma, Baylor, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Auburn, Texas, and Southern California. It's quite a top ten to be around, and uh, maybe the Razorbacks will land Omarian
0: Robinson. Top ranked player in the state out of Parkview. Yeah, it's it's, it's never good to lose your top ranked pl- players. Uh, you want to get uh, you know your top two, three, four guys that are your top players in the state. Keep them in state. Now is Oregon going to be a Big Ten team next year? What, what, mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. So I wonder if that you know I, I, as, as far as in your recruitment process now when you're talking to these kids, I wonder if that pays any any mind to it. You know, is he still just going to Oregon because it's Oregon? Is he still just going to USC because it's USC? Or, you know, the fact that they're going to the Big Ten, does that does that help the fact that they maybe want to go to the, one of those schools? It's an interesting way to look at it. I wonder, though, too, for a kid out of Arkansas, if
2: you're, like, choosing maybe to go all the way to the West Coast for school, does it matter how far you're traveling for a game? Right. Because you're already yeah. traveling that far just to go to school. It's yeah. not a matter of, well, my family's got to follow me. Uh, but, I, I mean, I've seen Baseball, softball players uh, make choices to if they're going into the portal or where they're looking into the portal based upon you know the 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 oddity of feeling like well I'm going to have to be going there for for four days in a row or something like that and. Doesn't make a lot of sense. He had softball players out of UCLA say, I i chose to go to this school so I could play in the Pac 12, and then there isn't a league like that anymore. I haven't seen football players go about it like that just yet. Just yet. I'm, I'm sure there will be some,
0: uh, but it is a question worth asking. Little Rock Park View, Jamal Anderson, a Little Rock Park View guy that was a stud for the Razorbacks. Yeah, hopefully uh, we need a safety. I mean, there's playing time available. Uh, looking at this defense, so hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be a hog. Women's basketball released the non-conference
2: schedule, and they've got all the in-state schools, including a trip to Jonesboro. Be the second time that the uh, Mike Neighbors program makes the trip up to Jonesboro, and I think, I think it's like three years in a row you've played at one of the in-state schools, either in Jonesboro, in Little Rock, or in Pine Bluff. Heck, it may be four years in a row now that I think of it. Got some really interesting games, including Wisconsin uh, and or Marquette or Boston College when the team heads to Fort Myers for Thanksgiving at Florida State. We already knew that for the ACC-SEC matchup. UCLA for the start of a home-and-home on Sunday, December the 3rd. I mean, that's a marquee game right there. UCLA is a Sweet 16 team. Louisiana Tech, Sanford. Ooh, I know where I'm going to be Tuesday, December 19th through maybe Friday, December 22nd. And work on my tan in the middle of December. West Palm Beach, Florida for a game against Illinois and or San, San Diego State of Loyola, Chicago. And then we get New Year's at home, New Year's Eve against Incarnate Word. Hmm. West
0: Palm Beach. Just before hey. Christmas, not bad, Matt. You want to come? I can't make that the, guarantee. You got the good life, living. Living's easy, right there. Do you, do you think this girl, this women's basketball team, uh, NCAA tournament team this year? I know they, yes. yeah, they made NIT last year, so a little improvement this year. No, I think there will be. I think there'll be an improvement
2: in terms of. Uh, hopefully, rebounding three-point percentage. You get your guard back, right? The the girl that she's that, a, you, you had Sasha Goforth, who's return to the program after missing a year, but Michaela Daniels, Michaela was back. Daniels, I'm saying. So yeah. is Samara Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sailor Poffenbarger. I'm, I'm I'm really I'm interested to see a little more. Uh, maybe scoring consistency from Sailor because even she got shut out a couple of times but she always defended well And uh, but I, I think there's a lot more for her offensively. She's somebody that probably could drop you about 14 to 16 points per game. She's got the inside and the outside game and the moves. So, uh, well, since women's basketball just released the non-conference schedule men's basketball can't be all that far behind. And we know a few things about Um, the men's basketball schedule but they just haven't necessarily publicly released much about it because you go onto the website and they don't have anything about this year's schedule up. They've got last year's
0: schedule still up. Phil, you, you bring up talking about how the defense uh, at each layer, the, the the defensive line, the the linebackers in the secondary, they went out and got veteran guys that had done it before. Same thing with this basketball team. I'm, I'm excited about this upcoming boys basketball team. Uh, they went out and got a lot of veterans that have made a lot of plays in, in at high-level basketball. That's exactly right. I mean, you get...
2: You get, so, I mean, some of the best scores. Khalif Battle, one of the best scorers in the American Conference. Um, you know, L. is coming out of them. I mean, the list goes on and mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And this is this is where the look. I, I would assume if this is the if this is the strategy for Arkansas and how they're going into the portal with these teams. Baseball's done it this way. Basketball's done it this way. Baseball's done it this way. I mean you'll jump at somebody that's got an immense amount of talent but might not have proven it on a on a field. But I think you're gonna go with the production probably first and foremost, because you trust that. Like you get a Jaheem Singletary coming in from Georgia. Snags Johnson, yeah.
0: All but sons, yet yeah. but yet
2: he's as far as I know, he's the only he's the only potential transfer starter or anybody that's transferring in that's coming off of um that's, that's got a chance to be on the two deep, where he didn't really make very much of an impact at his previous stop. Everybody else like started almost every game or was a leading receiver for that team. Thinking of Broden and, and Armstrong or Varquez Gums, uh, Singletary is the only one who didn't. But you I mean you're bringing in somebody that was recruited to and signed at Georgia, which should speak for itself, you know. And 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 men's basketball, man, that's the way Muss has gone about it for a while. Um, although, you know, like Trevor, you know, Trevor in Brazil, he had one year at Mizzou, showed a little bit what he could do, and you went off of that and the fact that, you know, he's a pterodactyl and he's got this amazing amount of athleticism. The women's basketball team is the only one, heck, I think they're the only women's team in the entire SEC that did not bring in a Division One four-year transfer. I mean, they've got a player out of JUCO, they've got Sasha coming back, they've got a really interesting incoming freshman class. And and Mike's gone into the portal before. I mean, he did. He brought in players that sat after transferring back when that was a thing, and that was something he did on a. I mean, on an annual basis, you saw players like that come in. Um, but I think they're the only team we talk about that doesn't that hasn't gone into the portal to get somebody. And I think there are a couple of scho- not scholarships short, but they have the depth that they need. And and um and yeah, baseball's gone about it the very same way. You know, he's like, show me what you can do. Well, here are the stats, coach. Well, all right, I see you did that. And I trust what I saw from those stats as well. Uh, what else did I wanted to get into here? Oh, yes, Justin Verlander yesterday picked up win number 252 for his career, which ties him. Actually, it didn't tie him. I think that put him past Bob Gibson of all pitchers. Yeah, it did. 251 wins. Look at this list of pitchers that finished their career with 251 wins. Al Spaulding, C.C. Sabathia, and Bob Gibson won 251 games. Gibson's in the Hall of Fame. I think C.C. may find himself there. I'm not sure about Spaulding. The next pitcher is the meal ticket, Carl Hubble, who was uh, in the Hall of Fame and 253 wins. Then it's Jack Morris, Andy Pettit after that. Uh, Verlander is the leading active pitcher in terms of wins, and you got to think about this: like there really aren't going to be. He might have a shot at 300 victories, maybe another three, four seasons to get there. Uh, he may be the last one to do it. Yeah, he. That's just not a thing much anymore. He's he feels like a first ballot type Hall of. Factor. Oh no
0: doubt. Does he? Is he just as equally as good? the, the thing that. I mean, it's it's kind of circumstance and, and situational. Like Clayton Kershaw, so dominant in the the regular season, finally won a finally finally won a World Series, but kind of wasn't as dominant. Burlander seems to be just as dominant in the postseason. Like you want to give him the ball anytime you can. I think he's had better
2: overall postseason numbers than Kershaw. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And. And they're both first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. Kershaw's fourth on the active list with 208 wins. Verlander is th- 28 wins ahead of Zach Grinke. And then Scherzer's got 213, Kershaw 208. Adam Wainwright's been sitting on 198 wins for, gosh, it's been almost two months. Of course, he was hurt for a good chunk of that. But since coming off the injured list,
0: he's made four starts in a row without a win. Is he a, is he a borderline? Is he a Hall of Famer or... Wainwright? Yeah, I doubt. I doubt it.
2: You I got to get to two hundred to have a chance, though, right? Yeah. Eh, not every pitcher that's in the Hall of Fame has two hundred wins. He, I mean, I think it, I think there's a case to be made for Wainwright and being part of three World Championships. Uh, I'm just not sure it's a slam dunk like Kershaw is and like Verlander is. But you go down the list of some of these pitchers. Garrett Cole is 32, has 140 wins. It's a long way to get to 300. There's no pitcher under 30. With even a hundred wins, so this is a this is a, like a bygone thing. Now, Garrett Cole, two hundred wins may be something that's almost impossible to get to
0: with how starting pitchers uh, work these days. Garrett Cole, Pittsburgh Pirate, uh, I believe, and is, do you think if he played somewhere else and and that he would because because you're talking about the numbers, you know, kind of circumstance if he played for the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers, he well, would I have. I mean, that's a good point,
2: but he they had three he had three years where the Pirates were actually postseason teams with him. There, he just. Was was a non ace ace there. I got you. And now he's with the Yankees, which, oh, by the way, are two games under 500. It's been 30 years since the Yankees finished with a sub 500 record.
0: Yankees Maybe or I- Mets. Which one's better this year? Neither one of them? Oh, the Yankees would destroy the Mets. Yeah. That's how
2: bad the Mets are. Mm. I really, I actually kind of love it that both New York teams stink. That's kind of fun. But then again, the Pirates are no better. Then at least they haven't spent a ton of money to do it. And we didn't go into the season with any expectations except to finish dead last. Because that's what you expect.
0: You're listening to the
3: East Side Liquor
0: Halftime Podcast.
3: Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced,
0: modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent.
2: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.